With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. Presented by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis worldwide right to your front door. And now, here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Uh, good day, everyone. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Pete Bodo and uh, back with us after a little hiatus, Mr. Tom Parada. Special Wel- guest appearance. Welcome. We recruited him from the uh, couple seats down. How you doing? I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling good? That's good to hear. Um, the... Major tennis news this week was Roger Federer's hire of Paul Anacone as a coach. Um, Anacone is previously best known for coaching Pete Sampras. He was with him for a stretch in the late 90s and early 2000s, and then he was rehired by Sampras and helped him win the last Grand Slam title of his career at the O2 Open. And Anacone also worked with the USTA, the LTA. But now um, he's being brought on for Federer's team. Um, Pete, you mentioned a couple of years back that uh, you – like the prospect of Anacone with Federer, um, and I guess my question is: Do you why do you think that then, and do you still think that's true today? Well, first of all, let's uh, let's remember that this is on a trial basis. Federer made clear, and Anacone himself has said, and uh, I, you know, I, I did more than mention it. I basically lobbied for Paul Anacone to get that <laughs> job. You know, uh, main, you know, mainly because I felt it was a great fit. You know, I, I've always had the a world of respect for Paul Anacone. And I think Roger, you know, uh, I was in that camp that has always felt that Roger, you know, pretty much needed a coach. I think it's as good a fit today as it was, and it might even be a better fit because, you know, frankly, I see Anacone being as primarily a, you know, sort of a psychological coach. I mean, look, let's face it, Roger Federer does not need a ton of technical help. It's not like Paul's going to be saying, oh, Roger, you know, Turn your turn your grip a little bit this way, more on a backhand. You know it, it, that's not going to happen. But what Roger really needs, I think, is a wingman. I think, uh, and I think Paul is about as good a wingman as as you can get. I don't know how Tom feels about that, but I, I think he's a great fit for Federer because he's a guy who's had a lot of success with attacking high skilled players. I mean, nobody's it's tough to get much more high skilled than Sampras, but he also worked well with Tim Henman. And you know, I think Federer is more in that mold of a guy who should be dictating things and usually is dictating things when he's at his best versus, you know, he tried to work with Jose Higueras a ways back and that's not really Higueras' style and that, you know, didn't that relationship was you know, sort of ended at the trial phase. It didn't really go beyond that. Um, you know, it reminds me of when, uh, when I did the book with Pete Sampras at Champions Mind, his autobiography. We talked a lot about Paul and Paul, you know, and Pete thinks the world of Paul still. And I remember one one thing Pete always said that, you know, Paul used to always tell him, you know, go out there and show them that you're Pete Sampras and they're not. And I think that's a, that, that's something that Roger Federer can probably use hearing now that he's getting shoved around by some of these guys, the Beardicks and Soderlings and, and people like that. I mean, it's not a bad message to implant. And let's remember that also implies a lot of other things. It's not just, you know, locker room, bulletin board type material. It also, 
you know, the subtext is always, you know, it also means like in Pete's case, it meant impose yourself with your serve, you know, uh, don't, don't, don't neglect attacking the guy, don't get sucked into playing a rally game just to show that you can beat him at his own game because Pete had a tendency to do that a little bit. Yeah, so you guys think that this is something, is it a little something more substantial than his relationship with Tony Roach, Jose Higueras, guys that Federer has kind of had along the ride throughout the past few years, but... You know, it hasn't really lasted for a really long-term relationship. Do you think this is a little different than that? Well, you know, the the Roach relationship wasn't that bad. I mean, they were together for a little bit, and he won some majors, and that that seemed to work fine. But, you know, you also had the sense back then that, and as you may still have the sense three months from now, that anybody could coach Federer because he's he's Federer. I mean, I think that's becoming less the case as you, as you age. Um, I think Anacon could come in really handy as a mental coach. I mean, you're not going to – Federer's not going to start – Bringing new technique to the to uh, to the court, he's not going to really change his tactics that much. He knows what works, what doesn't. He's really good at it. He's won for years playing the way he plays. But I think his confidence is a little low now. And the good thing about Anaco, and I think that will work well, he's a very steady, very low key guy. Doesn't get too up or too down about anything. He's very confident, very persuasive. Knows when to talk, when not to talk. I think that sort of thing can really keep a player, you know, even and you know, mellow at the right times and going in the right direction all the time. Sounds I don't like, know, Tom. I don't think there was ever really a productive relationship there with Roger and his coaches. I'm a little bit in a minority. I don't, I don't mean to, uh, to criticize Tony Roche or, or, you know, question these guys' abilities to bring stuff to the table. But the bottom line is, you know, I think Federer almost was going through the motions with a coach just to, you know, just so he could say he had a coach or just to have a guy, you know, uh, overseeing his practice schedule and stuff. I mean, I, you know, it's funny. He, when he lost Peter Carter, the coach who basically formed his game, it was, you know, pretty quickly after that, Roger Federer, you know, jumped right up on top and actually played really, really well. I mean, we, he, you know, his, his Lund- period— Lundgren was a big part of that. I mean, he helped him a lot. Peter Lundgren helped yes, him Yes, Lundgren helped him too. Yeah. Lund- but, but, I mean, Federer basically—I I always felt Federer to this stage was, and, you know, for good reason, you know, a self-made guy. You know, I, I think Federer, in a way, is kind of a loner. I think it's one of the reasons he's really resisted this. And, you know, people say, well, he's, he can't be a loner. He's got his wife Mirka there all the time and stuff, too. But that's that's almost like insulation for him. And she served some real valuable emotional, you know, uh, duties, I feel. So, you know, but I mean, that that's very different from a coach. And I just, I just think Roger, basically, he he got good real quick. He matured very, very he matured slowly at first, but once he won that first major, he matured very quickly into the dominant player. I don't think he needed a lot of help from anybody, and I think he just kind of sort of you know, went through the motions with those guys, which is fine. It's just a testament to his talent. Now I think things are a little bit different, though, because now Roger clearly has some problems. There are guys who have a, a kind of game that could beat him. He's having to deal with maybe you know, uh, losing a half a step or being on the verge of losing a half a step. You know, uh, He's got these injuries and stuff, so he needs, he needs somebody who who can really help him navigate these various obstacles? Somebody can, you know, sit down over dinner with and say, "Well, you know, I'm feeling this. I'm, you know, I'm feeling this way about about these tournaments. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know physically what I need to do." And, and a guy, a sounding board, and a guy will come back to him with some good advice. It does give you some confidence in the, the guys, as you say. Maybe maybe he's sort of an islander, a loner, or whatever. When you get that good, that maybe is often the case. But I think he's more self-aware, maybe than. He's been given credit for sometimes because for years we saw when he didn't have a coach, people would say he needs a coach, he needs a coach, he needs a coach, and he wouldn't budge. He was stubborn about it, wouldn't get one. Now, after this string of losses, you know, leading through Wimbledon, no one said this guy needs a coach because he's already proven that he can win without it, and then he goes and gets one. Well, yeah. Plus, he's so you know. Plus, he's at that point in his career where you know where he's not like he's going to make some big 
some big changes and, 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 you know, suddenly feel like he's got to take it to the next level. He's been to the next level. He's beyond the next level. This is his problem. You know, the next no level for him is unknown territory. There's no other level. <laughs> exactly. Although, now, one of the interesting things here, I, what I read into this really in the big picture is that what Federer is saying is, I'm not done. I still want it. In fact, I want it as badly as ever and even more so because now I'm going to hire a guy, something I've kind of res- resisted doing in the past for different reasons. But, you know, so this is kind of a statement on Federer. It's a vote of confidence in himself by Federer in a sense that he's saying, I'm not going away anytime soon. Look, this is a guy who could very easily go through the motions. You know, as everyone keeps saying, it's all gravy for him now. He's got 16 majors. You know, he's, you know, he's on the far side of the career. He could just sort of, you know, rest on his laurels, coast, you know, play the majors, you know. Or just come quit tomorrow. May, or yeah. quit tomorrow and walk away from it. So this is, I think, a reaffirmation of Federer's, Federer's firing a shot across the bow of all of his rivals saying, you know, you haven't heard the last of me yet. I'm, 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 I may be fading a little bit or I may have faded a little bit in the past few months, but I'm not going away anytime soon. Shop Tennis Express for the best selection of top brands with expert service at fair prices. The Tennis Express team is available to help you find the right tennis gear. Shop Tennis Express and find out why their customers call them candy store for tennis players. Call 1-800-833-6615 or log on to www.tennisexpress.com today. Uh, Pete, you also mentioned actually in the, the most recent post that it's on tennis.com right now, but um, maybe that with, um, you know, this, this relationship could be a little different than in the past ones where this could be a little more of a direct relationship with Anna Cohn and Federer as, you know, Federer's always at his team around him. He's at Mirka, he's at Severin Luthi, he's at a bunch of, you know, contingents around him. But this could be, you know, as um, you mentioned, the, the children as well. It's just a different stage of Federer's career here. You know, do you think that, you know, from direct one-on-one coaching, if you think that's the way this could go, this is something that Federer could stand to benefit from. Maybe in his path to get back to get reaching the doll, and you know, going down the road here. What do you think about that? Well, you know, you know, what I think is that probably Mirka, his wife, who's who's undeniably played a huge role in the success, but not in terms of X's and O's and the usual stuff you get from coaching. The one thing I feel pretty confident about, even though they're a very private couple, and I, I don't say this with any inside knowledge. But my gut feeling is that I don't think Mirka and Roger sat around talking about Juan Martin Del Potro's backhand. You know, I think you know, I, I think that that relationship is about other things that are no less valuable but yeah, different. Yeah, of course. So you know, I, th- I think yeah, I, th- I think at this point, look, I mean, I, I got to believe that you know the children are kind of toddlers, just about entering the toddler stage. Uh, Tom is a new parent; he'll be he'll be going through that pretty soon. He may have some thoughts on this as well, but you know. The kids, you know, America at some point is going to want to, you know, sort of have a home life and stay home with the kids instead of, you know, slumping around to all the tournaments, you know, dropping them off at tournament daycare center so they can play with, you know, the other the other players' kids and stuff. You know, and, and so maybe this is a point where they become like a like a regular, you know, like a regular couple. She stays at home with the kids, watches, you know, keeps, keeps, keeps house. He goes off, does his work, does his job. He has to travel a little bit. You know, oh, I'm going on a road. I'll bring you presents, guys. That kind of thing. And he's got somebody to go with now. He's going to have somebody, you know, he's going to have a built-in practice partner. Anacone can still hit the ball pretty well. You know, he's, he's going to have a guy who's going to be scouting opponents for him, something that Roger won't be able to do on himself. And that, that's a very important part of this job, I think, that often goes overlooked. And even if it helps him, you know, it may not help him beat Nadal, like you say, but it's going to help him beat, you know, like uh, like the next young Berdick or the next young Marin Cilic. You know, Anacone's going to go out there and watch the guy play. He's going to come back and say, look, Roger, this guy's forehand is huge, but, you know, if you can you know, stick with him for three or four shots in a rally, you know, he gets a little bit erratic. You know, those 
things are going to be invaluable, I think. I think the other thing we haven't really talked about is Anacone's side of this, and I think this is a much better fit for him than what he was doing. And maybe this is just a timing issue because he was tied up with the LTA and doing stuff with them for years, and maybe that's why this relationship didn't you know work out sooner because he had contracts and commitments. But I, you know, I think Paul's a fantastic coach and a fantastic guy, but he does strike me as more of a person who's going to bring a lot to a established already excellent player and maybe it's just a better fit for him than you know working with younger juniors and stuff i mean this is where he's really had a success and i'm I'm sure he's pretty excited about doing this hey look everybody needs a job right what what do you do when your last job was being pete sampras's coach i mean you don't want to necessarily go and coach some journeyman who can't afford you anyway basically uh pete played pete paid uh paul anacom very well just in case anybody's starting to go and you know wonder about that but uh you know so his you know he, he Basically, you know, as well, what's next for me? And there was, there was, there's only three or four guys who were in a league where, where they would hire a guy like Paul Anacone. So his options were somewhat limited. And I think, you know, it was probably an interesting challenge. Uh, the British LTA, the USTA had him working with player development for a while. And let's not forget, he, he basically coached Tim Henman for a while, too. Another aspect of this that I think is really, you know, really makes this a good fit is that you look at these guys, you look at Anacone and the guys he's coached, and you look at Roger Federer, and they're kind of birds of a feather. They're the good guys, the conservative guys, the quiet guys, the guys, you know, the, the guys who don't necessarily want to coach so they can go out drinking all night. They don't want a coach who's going to make their airline reservations. Yeah, they don't they're want in it for the work. Yeah. yeah, they're in it for the work and have a very professional. I, I, th- I think Pete's, Pete's relationship with, with uh, Paul Anacone was extremely professional, very mature. It was like two mature men working together for the common goal, you know, uh, making Pete a better player. And I think that's exactly the kind of person that's a good fit for Roger. I don't think Roger needs somebody who's going to try to entertain him or is going to try to, you know, broaden his horizons. You talk to any of these coaches, even Tim Gullickson, when he when Pete Sampras was a young man, Tim Tim was trying to open up Pete's mind, make him more receptive to things, you know, reading books, you know, uh, following the news, stuff like, you know, none of that stuff is in effect here, really, and it doesn't have to be, and Roger's the last guy who needs that kind of stuff. So there again, I think, you know, you've got some you've got some very good energy here. You've got like-minded people working together. Yeah, I mean, Pete, Anacone intercepts Federer. It's sort of a similar time in their careers, and, and I guess, you know, you, you could say, at least from my perspective, the Anacone Sampras union was a success, and and you think you say, well, if Roger Federer is a similar player to Pete Sampras, in, in you know in his ways, how he goes about playing and everything, you know, I think you could sort of envision similar things here. It's just and you know Roger has more years left than Pete did, uh, or he still has, I think, a few. One more. would assume, yeah, you never know these right, things. exactly. He turns uh, twenty nine this August, so you know. I guess what uh, what would you what do you envision seeing coming out of this like in the long run? Maybe you know, uh, you know. I don't think I'm going to bet that he'll win any more slims than I would have bet two weeks ago before I knew that Paul was going to be coaching him. I and mean, the guy's got he's got majors left in him. There's no question about that. I mean, whether he's healthy is a big thing, and you know where his confidence is, and who his competition is, and how healthy they are, and you know what surface we're talking about. All the normal stuff. He's not going to win like he used to win. I don't care who coaches him. He's going to be 29 years old, and then that's impossible to do. He's already done the impossible. You can't ask him to do it mm-hmm. for a fifth year or however many years it would be. But if he doesn't win you know, a couple more majors before he retires, you know, I'll be pretty surprised. Well, let's remember, these guys also, they're, you know, they're, they're, they have a need to reinvent themselves now and then. Most of the players do. And, uh, you know, especially once that career gets really long. And I think this is, this is a moment when Roger, you know, potentially reinvents himself and uses Paul Anacone and the fact that he's now got a coach really to build, you know, to build, 
you know, sort of an aura around himself again. So he's now going to be emerges as sort of a slightly different guy because he's clearly going to get some input from Paul Anacone. People are going to be sitting there wondering, you know, wonder what Anacone has taught him to, you know, told him to do, or what, 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 what game plan did they come up with? What strategy do we see being employed that maybe Roger would not have employed without Paul's input? So, you know, it's, and I think Roger's going to look at himself a little differently now. You know, now, now he's got, now he's got Paul with him. You know, he's going to be, he's, you know, he, he's going to get that exchange of information with Paul. He's going to start rethinking some of the things he thought before. It's inevitable. Look, I mean, you get together with a guy like that as a full-time basis on, as a coach, you're going to start looking at things a little bit differently. You're going to start re-examining yourself, start looking at some of your preconceptions, some of your assumptions. The coach, Anna Cohn will be very good at this, by the way, is going to make you re-examine some of the things you've believed. He's going to make you kind of, you know, find where you're, where your weak spots are in your own psyche and stuff. And, I, and so I, I think this whole process is, you know, it's kind of a resurrection of, it's, it's an attempted resurrection of the old Roger Federer who dominated. Yeah. Well, thank you for your comments, both of you. And if we'd like to hear yours as well, you can send any comments you have to podcast at tennis.com. Any other questions as well for the uh, upcoming summer tournaments? And we'll take those and look at those in a future podcast as well. Um, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. For Pete Bodo and Tom Prada, I'm Ed McGrogan, and thanks for listening to Tennis.com Podcast. You've been listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, presented by Tennis Express, the tennis industry's retailer of the year. For more news and information, head over to Tennis.com. Thanks for listening.